Thanks, New Vine Church. How are you? You good? Awesome. Charlie, hi. Um, thanks, thanks, DJ, even though you're not here. Um, it's great to be here with you this morning. I feel as though uh, I'm sort of in some respects kind of coming home because I look around and there's all of these familiar faces around me. Um, Charlie and Naomi, they were subjected to me in my very early leadership days and survived me as their youth leader. So thanks guys for letting me experiment the call of God on my life on you guys. You did good. You're still here. I feel better about that. And um, as, as Pastor DJ said, um, we lived in this little block of villas when we were first married, my husband Dave and I, and about a month after we got married, DJ and Lou moved in at the front villa, and what ensued after that was, tw was 12 months of a whole stack of fun. And I'm going to share one thing which you can all go up and ask DJ about when he comes back, uh, which I'm, I'm sharing it with Lou's permission. Awesome. There we go. Got the nod. Uh, so my husband is a bit of a joker. He loves a practical joke. And DJ and Lou have a great sense of fun as well. So when we were young, we were quite impoverished. We had this like, well, not really impoverished, but you know, um, we had this old lounge. And after about six months, we decided we'd get a new lounge. So we get this futon lounge and it arrives in this sort of a flat pack big box. And so we unpack it, we get DJ and Lou up, we say, hey, come and see our amazing new lounge. And they go, all right, and they come up to the villa and DJ and Dave are sitting on the lounge looking at the box going, you know, that box would be awesome if we could just cut some holes in it for our arms and some holes in it so that whoever's at the front can see out. So they get to it and they cut it and they put the box on and they're both wearing the box together. Like think of like, um, a, like, a, like a dress up where you've got one person at the front and one person at the back and there's some weird box animal. This was our husband's. And if that wasn't enough, they decided that it was time to go shopping. And so they walked down to the local Coles at Wall's End and Louise and I follow them for protection purposes and um, we're walking around a little distance from them because quite frankly we really didn't want to be that closely associated to them and they're walking around doing their shopping we in this enormous enormous box with a with a basket over their arm putting random things in and it goes really well until the security guy comes up and tells them that they must take off the box or leave the store immediately so <laughs> So we had a lot of fun with those guys and um, we were so thankful for them because in the first year of our marriage, we just had this beautiful couple who were at that same stage of life with us who were able to encourage us in our faith and in our marriage as well. So, you know, if you don't have good Christian friends around you, get some good Christian friends around you because the walk is always better with others, isn't it? Yes. So as DJ said, I come from Encounter Church down the road where I'm the senior pastor. If you use my whole name, I'll feel like I'm in trouble. Everybody there calls me Shiv. You should all do the same thing. Um, but I've been the senior pastor there for the last six and a bit years. And before that, we were part of the plant team that came out and originally planted that church. And it's been an enormous adventure. We've been through ups. And in the last couple of years, we've been through some downs that I think I'm probably not alone on, am I? We've all experienced a few interesting times in the last couple of years. And um, this morning, I'm really excited because I get to speak from Haggai, who's one of my favourite prophets of the Old Testament, and he's totally underrated and goes under the radar. But before I do that, how about we just quickly pray and ask God to be with us 
through the service this morning. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone here at, at Newvine. And Lord God, I just pray that you will help me to speak your word clearly. And um, Lord God, to just bring out how much you deeply care about each and every one of, of your people. And Lord God, that we will actually be able to grab some stuff out of the word of God that will help us to live lives that are successful and honoring of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, so um, I thought what we would do first is just grab the backstory for Haggai. So if you perhaps don't read the Bible or you're not familiar with it, I'm going to do a very, very quick flyover of where we're at. So the Old Testament is the story about how God created the world. And the message of the Old Testament, if I had to boil it down to one thing, I would say the message of the Old Testament is, hey, God is real. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And because the world is a bit of a broken place, he is sending Jesus. So Jesus is coming is the message I would say we get out of much of the Old Testament. Then um, you go into the New Testament and the message of the New Testament is Jesus is here and then Jesus is coming again. So if we, if we look just at the Old Testament, the message of the Old Testament is, hey, God's real, he cares about you, and he wants a relationship with you. We zero down, and there was this one group of special people that God called his own people, and they're the people of Israel. And what happened is he brings them into this, this place, into Israel, into the promised land, and he says, look, I'm just going to ask you, live in relationship with me and be faithful to me and treat each other well. I'm really, like, this is really a high-distance flyover, okay? I could spend forever talking about all the lessons of the New Testament and we'd all grow old and go to heaven and still not have the whole story, right? Um, but, but basically, they go into the land and then what happens is that they stay in the land for a period of time and they, it's almost like they can't live up to what God's asked them to do and they don't stay faithful to him and so God sends these men called the prophets along to warn them to say hey remember what I said come back to me stop being cruel to one another stop engaging in injustice stop oppressing the poor stop um, being unfaithful to me but the people of Israel wouldn't listen and so those in Jerusalem they start getting this warning given to them by the prophets. Hey, if you don't smarten up and do the right thing, I am actually going to kick you out of the land. You're going to go into exile. They still don't listen. Like, as a parent, I'm like, you tell your kids something once and you think they'll do it. They don't do it, right, parents? Right? You tell them three or four times, but you're going to blow your stack after about the third or fourth time, aren't you? It's not just me, is it? Someone nod, someone nod, Right? I notice the older parents are willing to agree quicker. It's because you're humble because you've seen it all. Um, so basically God warns them and warns them and yet they don't respond. And sure enough, Babylon, the nation of Babylon rises up and they take Judah and Jerusalem captive and they drag the people off into, um, into captivity and exile and they destroy the temple, which is the, the place where God dwells and the most important place to the people of Israel. The temple is completely destroyed. And um, for 70 years, they don't return home. Even though they're in trouble with God, even though the worst thing in the world has happened to them and they've been through horrors that you can't imagine, God's still not silent to them. 
They've been unfaithful to him, but he's not unfaithful to them. He sends prophets. He sends Daniel and Ezekiel. And he goes, hey, I am going to bring you back into the land. Don't lose hope. I'm going to, send, I'm going to come and get you back. You'll go back to the land. It will be okay. So he still gives them promises. And then um, Babylon falls. Persia rises. And the king of Persia goes, hey, you Israelites, go back to the land. Rebuild your temple and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so all of a sudden they've gone from being prisoners for 70 years and they come back and they're in the land and they've got this mandate that tells them, let's rebuild the land. So now to zoom into Haggai. Haggai is actually the first prophetic voice that they hear since they return to the land. So they're back in Jerusalem and all of a sudden Haggai comes along and he's the first one to speak the word of God to them in a prophetic way since they've come back into the land. Um, And we're going to have a look at um, some of those verses this morning. But I want to just finish this kind of backstory with you to say this. Cyrus sends Nehemiah and the rest of the people back and they lay that foundation for that temple within two years of getting back. And you think, like you read Nehemiah and you think, oh, it must be going great guns. That's good. They've got it under control. Everything will just flow normally. But that's not actually what happens. See, what happens is that nothing happens for more than a decade. They lay the foundation, but... Um, they start to have this dispute over, is captivity really finished? Uh, Are we really free or are we going to get dragged off again? If I was to put that into a modern day kind of bit of a contentious way of saying it, of, of comparing it, how many of us over the last couple of years have gone, are the lockdowns really finished or am I going to get dragged back into another lockdown? Like there was this sense of insecurity in them that potentially... Um, the world was not, they were not as free as they thought thought they may be. So they've got that happening. Then the Samaritans, some of their neighbours, they come along and they think, they, they first of all offer friendship to the Israelites and say, oh, we could help you with your rebuilding. But then all of a sudden they start to threaten them and they um, discourage the people who are back in the land. Um, so Judah's still free, but they're living in captivity to this incredible uh, discouragement. And this is what um, Haggai steps right into the middle of. And I think the first point that I want to say, that I want to bring up today, and there is a slide for it, um, it is just this, we need to unsubscribe, that just like the people of Judah, we actually need to sometimes unsubscribe. We need to recognise that there are many loud voices in this world and not every one of them is going to be encouraging that there are many people who would like us to live in fear, like exiles coming back, like, like the worst is going to happen, like trouble is on its way. But actually what we need to do is choose to tune out those voices because, because the people who came back to the land, they were told, they were given the permission of a king and they were given the direction of God, rebuild your temple, and yet what they did was they sat in a place of discouragement and didn't do it because they were too scared to, because the voices of discouragement were the voices that were louder in their ears than the, than the permission of God and the freedom of the king. So my first, thing, my first point this morning is we need to unsubscribe. We need to stop sitting in the rubble of the past and yesterday's disappointed hope, and we need to choose that the only voices that we will listen to in our world are the voices that give us hope. So for some of us, in a practical sense, that might actually mean going, you know what, I hear all this stuff on social media and and 
it's meant to make me feel good about myself, but I actually end up feeling worse about myself, so actually I'm going to unfollow. And what I'm going to choose to follow instead are the promises of God on my life, are the things that he has to say about me, are the hope that he's given me. We need to choose who we're going to follow. We need to choose who we're going to listen to. On the screen, Haggai chapter 1, 1 to 6 is going to come up, and I'm going to read from that now. Uh, It says, In the second year of King Darius, so he was the king of Persia, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. I'm so glad that I picked things with difficult names. Um, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while, the house, while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Um, you have planted... Oh, wait on, I'm skipping a line, sorry. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You... You drink, but you never have your, your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Wow. He doesn't paint a good picture, does he? You never have enough. Uh, on the next slide, it just, I'm just going to read again this one word. It says, give careful thought to your ways. God says, give careful thought to your ways. So we've translated that from Hebrew into English as give careful thought to your ways. But the literal translation from the Hebrew language to the English language would be more like this. It's actually a saying that they had, like a, like a popular saying that they had. It's put your heart on the road. Put your heart on the road. So their heart was on a road that led to less. Their heart was on a road that led to them think, feeling like, oh, I eat, but I'm never full. I drink, but I'm, never, I'm still thirsty. I'm, I'm working so hard and I'm earning a wage, but it all just runs away as though I'd never gotten it in. Who else has felt like that lately? It's like a picture for every age, right? We all can relate to it, especially when I got my electricity bill And um, please pray for me because I have a teenager and a 20-year-old and an electric hot water system. My electricity bill is very high. (laughs) All right, so the literal saying is put your heart on the road. But their heart was on this road that led to less. Their heart was on this road that led to them feeling that they're never going to have enough. Um, They were living this second best life. And the reality is that it wasn't necessary their heart was on a road that was only ever going to lead to, to pain and suffering because where they were focused was where they were going. And their focus was, this is, we're not really free. We're not really free. Uh, in 2020 and 2021, for me personally, exile looked like being sent to my, own, to my house and not being able to come out again. Exile for us as a community looked like massive job losses and an insecure future. Um, Exile for us looked like rising prices. We've had a tiny little small taste of what it looks like to have um, a never enough existence. And we don't enjoy it, do we? I don't enjoy it, that's for sure. But God doesn't want that for us. What God wants for us is something completely different. Psalm 107 verse 9 says that God satisfies the the thirsty and fills the hungry with good 
things. We were created to find satisfaction. We were created to be filled. And, you know, I don't know whether you would call yourself a Christian. I don't know whether um, whether you have a relationship with God or whether you know much about God at all. But one thing that I know that I've learned over and over and over and over again is that when my focus is on Him and when my trust is in Him, I'm satisfied. When I'm looking to him to provide the things that I need, I have a heart that's full of of, um, thankfulness. I have my heart on a road that leads to life. And I think that's something that God, he definitely wanted that for the people of Israel. He wanted them to get their heart off the road of, hey, we're not really free, and get their heart onto the road of let's build something for the future. And we need to make that same decision in our everyday lives. And it's not just to do with the last couple of years. Struggles and and hardships come along no matter who we are at different times in life. We're never going to live a life that's free of any of those sorts of struggles and difficulties. But what we can do is put our heart on a road that says, hey, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I just know that with you by my side, I will. And so my heart is going to be on the road that trusts you. So we were created to find our satisfaction with God uh, in the hand of God. So let's move on and let's read Haggai chapter 1, 7 to 13. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains in a ruin, uh, while each of you is busy with your own house. So sometimes in life we have to get the order of things right. And this is basically what God is saying through Haggai to his people. He's saying, hey, you know, you came back into the land And you didn't put things right. You didn't put the order of things right. You were so worried about how your future was going to go that you just became really introspective and you just built your own house and you didn't worry about the fact that I am here wanting to be in communion with you, wanting to be in community with you, and I need you to rebuild my house. So if the people of Israel had rebuilt the temple first, God would have looked after them while they built that temple and then he would have been there. They could have gone together to church. They could have built community. They could have experienced his spirit. They could have um, sort of nurtured that relationship with him and then built their own houses and they would have come at it from a, a feeling of strength, not a feeling of fear. I wonder what house we build in our lives when our outlook on life is an outlook of of strength and joy and worship and trust in God. I wonder what we make of our lives when that's our perspective, when that's the road our heart is on, compared to when our heart is on a road of, hey, I've just got to make sure that I'm safe. I've just got to make sure that I can grab as much stability as I can because who knows what terrible thing will happen tomorrow. God wanted them to rebuild his house so that he could be there with them and he could um, love, support and lead them through this next season. So why declares the Lord? Because my house remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and... um, fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else 
Uh, the ground produces, on people and livestock and on all the labour of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of his dad, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And all the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So again, he has said at the start of that passage, put your heart on the road. Put your heart on the road. Get on the road that I'm on. Follow me. Walk my way. Fulfill my covenant and then my covenant promises will fulfill you. So here he is. And I think that that's got something to say to us today. And that is like this whole passage is saying to me, it's time for us to be wholehearted. It's time for us to live a life that is whole, that is actually um, not neglecting one space for the sake of another. So we need to look after our day-to-day needs, right? But we also need to look after the stuff that's inside, that bigger picture stuff, the relationship with God, um, the, the hope that we can nurture for the future, our plans and our vision. But to do that, we actually have to get on an actual new road. We have to, he says to the people here, go up to the mountains. So we actually have to make the decision that we're going to go up the mountains, so to speak. We as a people are going to decide that we're going to raise our vision. We're going to stop looking at the troubles around us in this world and we're actually going to go, hey God, the Bible, which is your word, says that you're in control. And the Bible, which is your word, says you're with me. If that's the case, then help me to see things the way that you see things. Help me to get that higher perspective so that when I live my life, when scary stuff happens around me, I'm not shaken. I'm secure because I know God's in control. There are, throughout the Old Testament, there were heaps of people that went up the mountain. Um, Moses and Elijah went up the mountain and they encountered God there. Abraham went around the mountain and surrendered to God there. Um, The disciples in the New Testament, they went up the mountain and then they had this revelation of Jesus. They, They saw who Jesus actually was in their glory. Good stuff happens when we raise our eyes to look for God. Good stuff happens up the mountain. Powerful things happen up the mountain. What mountain can we go up? How can we um, reach out and go, hey, God, give me a better perspective? Well, what about the mountain of worship like we did this morning? What about stopping the day-to-day racing of our lives and just sitting in the quiet for a minute and just reflecting on the fact that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who created us, and who deeply, deeply cares for us? That's a pretty cool mountain, isn't it? What about the mountain of God's words where, like, when we have no hope and we have no joy, we can search through and find the hope and joy that God offers us. When I was, I um, grew up in Sydney, and the household that I grew up in, my mum had passed away when I was two, and my father was very abusive. So I lived in this abusive home, and I had no, no hope. I really had, a, I struggled. I became a Christian at 16 out of a place of desperation. But I became a Christian at 16. Someone handed me a Bible. And in the front of that Bible, there was like this list. And it said, where to find help in times of. And then, has anyone else had one of those Bibles? Where to find help in times of trouble. I think it was like a Gideon's Bible or something like that, um, which was just amazing. You know, 
I lived in that abusive house for another two years after I became a Christian and I spent my whole time looking where to find help in times of trouble, where to find help in times of grief. I walked back in and my physical situation never changed but my emotional and spiritual situation was never the same again because I walked back in with hope because I had raised my, my eyes to the mountain. I'd gone up the mountain and I'd come back down and put my heart on a different road. Because I just knew that God is good. So we need to come back. We need to step out in faith, put our eyes on the, on the mountain. And then we need to do what God says. Because in that verse, he tells the people of Israel, go up the mountain and gather some wood. Um, and so I'm just making sure I've actually read that. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> go up the mountain, gather some wood. What does that mean for us in our day-to-day life? Well, what it means is that we need to go have that encounter with God, nurture our spiritual life with him, and what we learn in that place, the things we learn like, hey, God's really good, he really cares for us, he has a way when there is no way, let's bring that stuff back and use it like wood to build a life that matters. Let's use it to equip us to do the things that he's called us to do in this world, like create a community that cares about people who don't have enough like reach out to our refugee community around us who've gone through things that we can't even imagine and offer them hope as well and offer them friendship as well because God's been a friend to us. Let's take the things that we learn from God and put them into practice around us in the world. Is that all right? All right. And then the best, the most amazing and beautiful thing about this to me is that God declares at the end of that passage, I'm with you. And we need to just remember that we're never alone. Haggai was encouraging the people, hey, just remember, yes, you've gone through exile. Yes, you've gone through things that you and I probably can't even imagine. However, in spite of that, God is still with you. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? Yeah. So Judah listens to Haggai and they go, all right, then we'll rebuild the temple. And so chapter 2 is about when they rebuild the temple. And um, I'm going to read to you from um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them... Who of you is left that saw the ho- this house in its formal, former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. So they rebuild the temple and... Basically, they look around and when the first temple was open, when Solomon's temple was open, what happened was it was one of the most glorious things that had ever been seen. It was well equipped. It was enormous. It was beautiful. It was the work of all the people. And when they dedicated the temple, the glory of God fell down. It says the Shekinah glory of God came down and it rested on the place and it was like this mind-blowing experience. And then they come back. The temple's been destroyed. They come back. They rebuild the temple And they're looking at it and it's basically the equivalent of meh, eh. It's not what they were hoping for. 
It's not, they were waiting for the, the glory of God to fall on it. They were waiting for it to be beautiful. They were expecting it to be what they remembered or what they'd been told about or what they were hoping for. And yet it wasn't that, it was something different. So God says to them, okay, well, I'm with you. Don't fear, be strong. Uh, and then he goes on. And he says this, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my, um, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I'll once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I'll shake all the nations and what is, and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares there's the Lord Almighty. Honey me. Okay, so I'm nearly, nearly, nearly there at the finish. You've nearly made it to the end of the message now, guys. Um, basically, they were in grief. The people of Judah have come back to the land. They've been discouraged. They've finally gone, all right, we'll try one more time. They've obeyed the word of Haggai the prophet and they've rebuilt the temple. But when they've built the temple, it doesn't look like what they are expecting. It's, they're underwhelmed by it. They're disappointed in it. And so they're looking for something they knew before. And I think that we can... We went to... In, at Encounter Church... So we shut down really quickly when the lockdowns happened and we came back as soon as we possibly could. But when we came back, we couldn't sing and we couldn't do any of the stuff that we wanted to do. And it went on for so long that our people kind of felt like they had forgotten how to worship and they'd forgotten what all the good stuff about church, especially like the coffee and the cake and all the morning tea stuff, which, come on, community, it's good, right? It's yummy and good. Um, so they, they couldn't do any of that stuff. It was just basically come in, sit 1.5 metres apart, listen to someone speak. They may or may not do that well, and then say thanks very much and head straight out the door as soon as possible. No hugs, no handshakes, no coffee, no tea, Definitely, definitely no yummy cake. So for a while, we just went through, we were kind of stuck in this rut where we went through wanting to get back what we had. This is kind of like what Haggai's talking into here. He's saying, you know, you remember the temple being a particular way or you were told the temple should be a particular way and it doesn't look like this and you're hurt and you're disappointed and you're just wanting to get back what you had but actually sometimes what we've got to do is lay down what was and accept that hey that was something we did in the past and then be willing to dream again from that higher place of vision and go I wonder what this could be in the future I wonder what we could take from this that would be amazing for us as a community into the future for example how many churches never streamed before COVID happened and now they've got online communities so people who could never get to church now can get to church. That's an amazing thing. That's freedom for some people. So they're here. The temple is not what doesn't live up to their expectation and they're disappointed. But here's the actual, like, for me, the clincher of it, right? Because what happened was in the old temple, the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. It was in the temple. But when the temple was destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant was actually taken away and it's not brought back. So it wasn't there. Um, so there's no Ark of the Covenant. They basically feel like there can't be any glory. And yet there's God saying, hey, 
the glory of this temple will be bigger than the glory of the previous temple. And you know why? Because in about 500 years from when they've rebuilt that temple, God's actual true presence walks through the doors of that temple right there. It's actually Jesus. Like Jesus walked on the courts of that rebuilt temple. Jesus stood up in that rebuilt temple and declared the word of the good news of the word of the gospel. Jesus healed in that temple. Jesus confronted in that temple. The king of glory was in that temple. Those latter days, that latter glory had nothing like, it was nothing like Solomon at his best temple day. That day when the Shekinah glory fell down in Solomon's temple, yeah, that was an awesome day or however long it lasted. But that's nothing compared to the promise of Jesus that lasts forever and ever and ever for all people of all nations, not just Israel. They built this temple thinking it was nothing and yet it was where Jesus' feet were going to tread. God will never disappoint us. Whatever was before that you're missing that's changed about life, do not worry do not be afraid. Take a note out of Haggai, which tells you, don't worry, don't be afraid because God's with you. Whatever is next is going to be absolutely better because God doesn't move from worst to worst. He moves from strength to strength. So the next is strong. The next is our strength. So God is determined. The promise in Haggai is... Um, Haggai goes on and he says, you know what? One day the Son of Man is going to come. My Messiah King is going to come and he's going to give you a new heart and he's going to set all things right. And that's the promise that we live into. We know, um, or I believe, that Jesus was the Messiah King and he has set all things right. And as we live that out in our lives, we're just going to go from strength to strength to strength, knowing him more and more and um, loving him more and more. So we've got this choice today to walk away from fear. Uh, I've got a slide that actually recaps my points, and we'll pop that up on the screen. Oh, there it is. Thanks, CGI and sound guys. They're the unsung heroes of the church. Um, so what I'd love for us to do today is to unsubscribe from disappointment. I would love for us to say, hey, God, I want to put my heart on a, on a road that leads to fullness, that leads to being whole. I want to become wholehearted. And then, once we've done that, let's get that, let's, let's put our heart on that road, become wholehearted, let's get a higher vision, and let's get ready for the new things that God's going to do in our lives. Let's get ready for joy and hope and peace and purpose, and let's dream again. Don't put off dreaming because, because God is in it. He is still among us. He tells us not to fear. He tells us um, that he really just loves and wants to be with us. And even though I'm, I've spoken from Haggai today, I just want to remind you that in Revelation 21 in the New Testament, right at the end of the book, when God's talking about how things are ultimately going to turn out, this is what he promises us. He promises us that he will ultimately wipe away every tears. Musos, you can come on up here if you like. We're going to have a song in a minute and finish out the service. I'd like to encourage you, it's time for us to take our eyes off the discouragement of those, of those voices around us. It's time for us to make a decision today. And here's some things that we can do that's going to pop up on the screen now that will actually be like little action points that we can do in our world. Okay, so let's start choosing what voices we're going to give space to. 
Is there something in your life that has actually been discouraging you, but you've been entertaining it just because you're used to it? Time to turn that voice off. Time to start going, actually, God, I'm putting my heart on your road. I'm going to follow you. So do a check-in. Go home, sit down for a while and check in, how's my heart going? How is my encouragement level going? Am I okay? And if I'm not okay, is that because I actually just need to spend more time thanking God for some stuff and developing gratitude in my life? Let's do that. Ask God to help you heal from past hurts and change your focus. I I am sure I cannot possibly be alone uh, in my experience that the last two years hurt me. I am sure that it is more than me that has been hurt in these last couple of years. All right. Well, God didn't mean for us to live lives of endless hurt. In fact, what he meant was for us to be healed and to be whole. So let's give it to him. Let's admit, hey, God, I have been hurt by this situation in my life or I have been hurt by these last couple of years. Only you can heal me and I'm going to trust you to heal me now. Let's ask him for healing. And then let's be open to encountering him in our everyday lives. Because the whole purpose of them putting the temple in the middle of Jerusalem was so that they could encounter God day to day to day. So that his presence would dwell among them. The ultimate expression of that is the fact that Jesus came for us. He came to build a bridge between us and God to make a way for us to have a daily relationship with him. So I'm just going to ask, would you mind, church, if I pray with you this morning? Is that all right? You don't have to. You just do whatever you're comfortable with. You don't have to stand. You don't have to close your eyes. But if you want to close your eyes and shut out the rest of the world, that's great. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to pray. Father God, (laughs) you called out to a people who were discouraged and who were stuck on this road that wasn't leading to life. And sometimes I feel discouraged and sometimes we feel stuck on this road that doesn't lead to to life. Can you help us today, Father, to put our heart on a different road? Can you help us to raise our focus to you and to walk into the future that you have for us? And Lord God, as we do that, help us to take the things that we're learning so that we can build hope for other people around us too. Help us, Father God, to be wholehearted again and to lean on Jesus and to encounter you in our day-to-day lives in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Well, church, thank you for having me. You are an amazing, amazing community of people and I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you so much better. But you know what? Why don't you spend some time with God today in this last song?